are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans Studios, national mortgage lender Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently, and they have Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. It's the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio, 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. get back to, de- to, to Shep's Marriage Counseling coming up here in a bit. Also, I had a thought on Game of Thrones fans, but that might have to wait because I have to tell you about the NBA draft lottery possibly coming to the NFL. I also have to tell you that this could be the sweetest NBA championship for Golden State Warriors fans since 2015 because there is a possibility, even though I think he'd be back for the finals, there is a possibility that it could happen without Kevin Durant. To talk about that, we welcome in Sean Powell, NBA.com. Joining us on the hotline right now, Sean, good afternoon to you, or wherever you might be at, good morning to you. Yeah, West Coast right now. Good morning, absolutely. Uh, Getting ready for Game 3. Warriors and Blazers and see if Portland can turn this thing around. I really, really like Portland, but I, I just don't know if anybody's going to be able to get Golden State. Have you gotten tired of the narrative of the quote-unquote crumbling Golden State Warriors, or do you think that there was a moment where maybe that was fitting during this postseason or maybe at the end of this regular season? I just think the Warriors tend to get bored, uh, particularly in the regular season when mm-hmm. Uh, They would have some embarrassing losses or a losing streak that was very uncharacteristic of them. Uh, And even in the first round of the playoffs when they lost two games to the Clippers. Um, But I just think when it comes comes down to the moment of truth, they just simply have more experience and more talent than anybody else in the NBA. Sean Powell joining us on the show. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly about it just because in a lot of ways, well, and it's not hard to agree with you, obviously, because they do. And now without Kevin Durant, for a second you thought, man, does it even it out at all? But then they go back to the way things were. Let me ask you, from some of the fans that you talk to, Sean, do you think that there might be a feeling, say they win this championship, that it could mean more to them than the championships they won with Kevin Durant because it goes back to the way things were, what they started with, and really what they fell in love with? You know, I think that's probably a feeling maybe they'll get many years from now, you know, after they're retired and they kind of have a bit of nostalgia. But I just think when you're talking about championships, they're all great, no matter how you get them, because they're so hard to get. You can ask Steve Kerr that question. This is a guy who won championships with the Bulls and Michael Jordan and also with the Spurs and with, uh, with Tim Duncan and mm-hmm. obviously as a coach. He'll just say, hey, you know, they're, they're all the same. He never really sat down to try to figure out uh, which was more valuable. That's just like asking him which, which of his kids is he like more than the other. Uh, and I think the same is here. Do I get a sense there might be a, a, satis- a sense of satisfaction with Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Craig Thompson and Andre Iguodala right now because they have to do it without Kevin Durant? I would say absolutely because what it does is it shows their worth and it shows that they can rise to the occasion. But I think if you also ask him, would you rather have Kevin Durant? Absolutely. That's a unanimous yes. I'll get back to what's going down on the floor here very shortly, I promise. Is all said and done with Kevin Durant? Is there a way that he could possibly stay in Golden State, or is is his future all said and done? You know, only Kevin knows that. Uh, and I can just call my gut feeling. I think his future is all said and done. Having said that, uh, and, and that future is in New York, uh, having said that, uh, of all players who could probably change their mind, it's Kevin Durant. 
Uh, and look, if I was him, there's no way I'm leaving Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. I, I, there's just no way I'm leaving that. There's no way I'm leaving San Francisco, which is a world-class city, and going into a new arena and the promise of winning multiple championships, which really creates my legacy. I don't care what you know, Internet trolls say about me leaving Oklahoma City and whatever. I don't <laughs> care. I wouldn't be that thin-skinned. Uh, but again, I'm not Kevin Durant. Yeah, it's gosh, that could, it couldn't be more true. Sean Powell joining us on the show. Powell to the people on Twitter, part-time golfer, full-time father. It says it right there on his Twitter. And, of course, great sports writer for NBA.com. By the way, uh, do you pay attention to the PGA Championship at all, or are you still too far deep into the playoffs? Pretty much locked into the playoffs, but, of course, you know, I can peek every now and then. Uh, <laughs> uh, one big surprise and one non-surprise. The big surprise is Tiger not making a cut. And the non-surprises, Brooks Kepka, who I think is, in the last year and a half, I think he's been the best golfer on the planet. Totally agree. And I, I didn't give his personality a lot of credit than I did hear him on the Barstool thing. And, I, you know, it's, it's take it or leave it with that. But I did hear his interview, and I was like, okay, he does have some personality there. Just kind of have to get it out of him. Uh, Sean, it's a 2-0 series. How does Portland climb back into it? I think for the first time in the series, uh, Damian Lillard has to put his stamp on, and he hasn't. Uh, he didn't play well in game one, but I, I kind of excused that because they came off such an emotional uh, seven-game series with Denver just 48 hours uh, earlier. Uh, and then in, in game two, he just had a spurt here and there but didn't finish strong. Uh, they're not going to win this. Well, they're not. I don't even think they're going to win a game unless Damian Lillard outplays Steph Curry. As simple as that. Um, I'm not trying to make it a one-on-one contest or anything, but he's got to be the best guard on the floor. If he's not the best guard on the floor, C.J. McCollum better be number one. He better be number one A. Absent of that, uh, the Blazers just simply don't have the firepower uh, to keep up with the Warriors. And I even say that with the Warriors without Kevin Durant. Golden State's defense has solved uh, Portland with their trapping uh, and Portland's got to figure a way out of that. And if they don't and if they lose this game three, I think we're really looking at the possibility, a strong possibility of a sweep. Do you believe in maybe an emotional hangover because of how tough the Denver series was that, say they would have won that in five games. They might have had, not not just rest, obviously, but would they have had a better shot at taking on a team like Golden State, just being mentally prepared for taking on a team that good after a series that might have been less emotional beforehand? I think the mental thing with Portland is, and, and, and they have to really ask themselves, do you guys really think you belong here? Do you think you can actually beat the Warriors and go to the NBA Finals? Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure if you if you ask them, if you put their hands on the Bible, I'm not so sure they would say that that's true. Uh, you know, this is the deepest they've been uh, in the Damian Lillard era, uh, and, you know, they could have easily lost in the first round to Oklahoma City or the second round to Denver. Uh, but now that they've gotten this far, sometimes you kind of look up and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. How did we get here, and why are we here? They may be sort of in that trance right now because, again, you're going up against a team that has multiple championships and won you know, the last two and three out of the last four. So uh, they'd have to have a strong sense of belief that, that they belong. I'm not so sure they really feel deep down in their hearts that they belong this far in the, in the uh, NBA playoffs. Sean Powell joining us, NBA.com. Over to the East, Raptors-Bucks, tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Raptors with their backs against the wall. How do they get back into the series? I just think they have to just take care of the business at home. Uh, I don't see such a great talent uh, gap between the two teams. Obviously, I would give the edge to Milwaukee because 
They won more games during the regular season, and they probably had the more impressive run uh, in the playoffs so far. But uh, that Toronto, that's a tough place uh, for a visiting team to win. Uh, and, and the other thing is I need to see more from the Raptors other than Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Kyle Lowry has been, you know, pretty good, uh, particularly in the first game, but he hasn't had the same consistency. Marcus Gasol is just like, uh, you know, he's just a corpse right now. Mm-hmm. And that's a big, big disappointment because they made a trade for this guy in midseason for him to, uh, you know, be a plus at the center position, use, use his passing at the high post, uh, his defense. And he has been just getting destroyed, um, you know, by Lopez. And it's been a big disappointment for them. But I could go on down the line, you know, uh, Ibaka, you know, where's Ibaka, Fred Van Vliet. Now, all these players who have really loomed large for Toronto during a regular season, and even the first couple of rounds of the playoffs, I just haven't seen them showing up in this series yet. Sean, we thank you very much for the time. We'll definitely try to run you down again soon. Thank you for waking up for us. All the best, my friend. Anytime, man. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Sean Powell, NBA.com. Find him on Twitter, Powell to the People. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. I got a thought about the lottery coming to the NFL, which I just want you to hear me out on that. That's coming up. But also, a terrible reason compounded by terrible advice to Shep about being a young man in America today. I'll explain it next. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4CBS. We got people on hold. I want to get to Diane here momentarily. However, I asked Shep, and it just it started out re- innocently enough. And I, I will get to, I swear to God, an NFL draft lottery and why I think it's a good idea. Just hear me out. However, I asked Shep innocently enough. I said, hey, are you with anybody? Because I didn't know. Shepard said, well, on my taxes, I would say I'm single. I'm like, boy, if I'm not a member of the IRS, I can't imagine how Miss Shep or the significant other or whatever it is would say. I don't know how, how she'd feel about him saying that. So basically it became a back and forth where Shep is six months into a relationship. He's 32. His girlfriend's 31. Her name's Marika. She seems like a nice lady. Then... I start giving him the gears about maybe his standards are a bit too high. Maybe he's just trying to find excuses for dragging his feet. After that, we get a call. Dan in Richmond, Virginia, tries to give good advice, but ultimately falls short. Here. You have to wait three years because at that point in time, you'll detect a woman's craziness. They can mask it very well for about a year and a half, but at two, two and a half years, you're going to see things that you didn't know were possible out of this woman. Do not rush into this. If it's for the long haul, she'll be everything that you just described there to be in three years. Thanks. That's a short phone call. So I couldn't get into it with Dan the way maybe I'd want to. Do we have Diane in Pennsylvania? Now I'm hoping, I'm hoping Diane in Pennsylvania will write this. I hope she will. We'll see what she says about it and what advice she gives to Shep. Here is Diane in Pennsylvania. You're next up on CBS Sports Radio. Diane, go ahead. Hi, fellas. Enjoying CBS Sports immensely. Yes. Immensely over the last six months. I want to preface that. Thank you. On weekday, I am retired. Uh, I am, as I told your producer, I'll be married 47 years at the end of the year. Beautiful. And so, beautiful. You know, as a baby boomer, 
And I'm yeah. not, listen, I've had a lot of friends, I've seen a lot of professionals are on third marriages, and what the third spouse didn't have, the other one did, and vice versa. One was a good cook, the other one didn't like sports, you know, and vice versa. Not every one person is ever going to be, I hate the terminology, and I, uh, a faithful person. Yeah. I don't believe in so-called, quote, soulmates, unquote. Soulmates are uh, when you leave this world. <laughs> this world, more realistically, one person is not going to be everything you want every minute of the day, 24-7, for the rest of your life. Meaning, best of days, instead of an unrealistic 10, let's make it an 8. I can say that after 47 years. Well, will be the end of the year. On the worst days, instead of, oh, it's a 0 or 1, how about a 5 or 6? What does that mean, fellas? It means loyalty, give and take truly does mean something. My husband's lucky in this sense. I love sports. I don't look the part, actually. Uh, I look like I played sports, like tennis. However, having said that, I'm more of watching NFL football, college football, for 50 years. And I'm a diehard cowboy fan in Pennsylvania. Moretti spent a lot of time in Dallas-Fort Worth over the decades. But I'm telling you this as a piece of advice. And the other caller, <laughs> there are, I suppose, crazy men and women out there. And it's sometimes personality mixes, as we all know. Some people we hit it off with, whether you're at work or play. Some people we don't. But it's much more of a challenge to be loyal like that player out of the Phoenix Cardinals that's still with a team that has lost. We know who he is, that class act. His name passes me by at the moment. Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald? Yeah. yeah. That's what I've seen. I've seen players in sports that were loyal, and they could have gone elsewhere for more. And having said money, the gentleman that called before, that's bad take, sir. I don't know what your experiences in life were, but I'll tell you what mine is. Loyalty does count for something. Sharing interests with your mate or partner. Shacking up never makes it. The stats years ago show that a lot of divorces were people that lived together prior to marriage. Sorry, I have to say that. As someone who's made it this far, I can tell you that's what I've seen. The other thing is if you, at six months of dating somebody with serious conversations besides what do you want to eat, perhaps you might want to talk about your goals, your job how much debt you have, um, how much, uh, where are you going money-wise? What, you, what are your goals? And what will you give and do for other people and family life? And perhaps faith for me See, works. Diane, Diane, this is, this is I, I couldn't have said it better yourself. And for expediency, uh, thank you very much for the call and the kind words about Forgive the station. Thank you for going on and no, on. No, you're fine, you're fine. get that out, hon. Yes, it was, and Diane, I swear to God, it was the best call we had all day, and I thank you very much for making it. Thank you very much. See, that's, Shep, that's what I'm talking about. See, you can't take, there's plenty of guys out there, and you're going to have, I, I don't know, your buddies, I'm sure you're, how old are your buddies? Are any of your buddies married? Oh, most of them, yeah. Okay. The problem that guys have 
is that we are, and this is, I'm going to take this to probably a greasy level. Stay with me here, okay? Don't just get, don't wallow in the muck here. I'm trying not to do it for so long. Guys are visually stimulated. Because you said, hey, I want to meet someone who is the apple of my eye all the time. And I'm telling you, that's, and Diane's telling you in so many words, it's just not realistic, okay? Men are visually stimulated. Women are emotionally stimulated. That's why more women are buying Fifty Shades of Grey and more men are logging on to you porn. It probably could be a little bit more where men should probably be reading more Fifty Shades of Grey. Do you get what I'm saying here? Is that the the emotional stimulation, the imaginary stimulation needs to be there. But men don't always see it that way. That's why, and that's why you take a call from Dan in Richmond, because men project. Men are usually, by just the nature of human beings, by this species, Shep, we are vain, narcissistic people. Yep. We are. We have trouble with finding our own, our, our own faults. We struggle with looking inward. If you want to know, do something. Be, be honest with yourself here. The next time you're home alone, and it's like a lazy Sunday, If you're alone by any stretch, try to take stock on the disgusting things that you do every single day for that moment. Realize the disgusting nature of men for one moment. Or, better yet, I swear to you, set your phone up and film yourself for 10 minutes. Realize when you wake up in the morning how gross you look. I get zits on the back of my neck just because of the shave that goes on when my barber gets it. I have this eye thing where my eye cornea, my cornea keeps getting torn open, so I'm pawing at it like a bear. I'm massively overweight, and we've talked about that many times. And I can't imagine my wife, who's obviously a very good-looking woman, would sit there and let me do the things that I've done to her over the past no, nearly eight years of my relationship to have three children. I should say eight years of my marriage, to have three children. So there has to be an emotional stimulation there, David. And until you do that, you're going to be in hell. I mean, I'm just pointing it out. You have to look inward. Like, I don't think you should beat yourself up. You have to have some self-esteem. I don't think a woman is going to like a man who's a loser or feels he's a loser. That's not the case, Shep. I'm not saying you should feel that you're a loser and have no self-esteem. Right, I get that. But you better, before you make these decisions... And you're saying, well, I wanted to be this and I wanted to be that. You have to figure out what you're going to be. You have to make sure. Because if we're going to be all visual about things, well, you better be hitting the gym constantly. And you better be taking care of yourself then in that physical nature constantly. But really, you need to be working on the emotional standpoint. Because we're seeing it more and more, especially with our generation. There is less divorce because people are waiting longer, Shep. I'll tell you that part. And the other thing about it is that people who are in Diane's generation, and and Diane's been married now. She's going to be going on 47 years. There's a lot of people who they're starting to get. They're retiring in their 60s, their early 60s. People are living longer than they ever have in their lives. They're realizing, why am I going to be with this person when I didn't even like this person to begin with because they got married too young? And so now they're getting divorces. People in their 60s are getting divorced at a higher rate than they ever have in their lives that we've ever had. Because if you're going to live to your 95, do you really want to live with a person you didn't like that much to begin with? Or do you want to start life anew? But for us, our challenge is going to be, Shep, where now we have to make life wonderful for each other or as good as we possibly can for the next 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years. Because there's going to be people 
in our generation, Shep, you're the same age, who will be married for 70-plus years because they're going to live that long. So that's something you have to take into, uh, take into account. Let me get to Ash in Wisconsin. Ash, you're next up on CBS Sports Radio. Go ahead. Oh, what up, fellas? Well, first of all, I'm very happy for Diane that she's going to be married 47 years. Shep, you and I are about the same age, early 30s. Uh, I've been ring shopping before, nearly engaged, lived with a girl for a couple years. It turned out not to work. What the caller before Diane said about dater for three years, I would 100% agree with. I think it's a great idea. People change over time. You'll figure out if that's the person you want to be with. Otherwise, divorces happen. No one wants that. And not to mention, you've only been with this girl for six months. Enjoy it. Have fun. See if there's a future there. But I wouldn't make any big commitments for like three years, like the dude said. I think that's very sound advice. I think if if you're waiting that long, Ash, thank you for the call. If you're waiting that long, you're waiting too long on that. You know or you don't know. If you're sitting here for three years, you're just waiting for that person to change so they change and they get you a reason to get out of there. Of course you're going to find reasons to get out of there. Of course you're going to find reasons to not be married to her or, or be in a relationship with her. I give my wife a reason every single day to not be in a relationship with me, Shep. Every day. They're little reasons. They're not big reasons. She doesn't find me in bed with somebody else. I'm not in the neighbor's bushes. I'm not doing anything like that. But, yeah, there's plenty of reasons. Like, you walk, you imagine the bombs that I leave in my bathroom? My wife worked in hotels before we met. So she, I thought I, and by the way, as a, as a guy, I thought I was a pretty fastidious person. I thought I was pretty clean. I thought I had my wits about me. My wife managed hotels, so she knows clean. I needed to be broken in, and it was a rough go when we first started. You're, you're going to sit there and wait around for three years. I think you're looking for reasons to not be committed to that person because if you sit there waiting for a reason, they're going to give you a reason. My wife was pregnant for the last nine months. She's basically been pregnant the last five years. Do you have any idea where my wife's hormones have been over the last five years, Shep? No, sir. Like, I, I'm hoping this is our last, our third son is our last, and that maybe it'll balance out. That's still going to change people. The life changes. There will be trials and tribulations. So to sit there and to wait for something, well, you got to wait three years because people are going to change. Yeah, people are going to change. You're a different person right now from when you were 28 years old to where you are at 32 years old. Are you not, Shep? Oh, with, without question. I'm, I'm so I imagine you're going to be 35 years old at some point. What if you become a program director someday and you're in charge of people, you're managing other people. Now you're more of a worried person because you have to make sure that they're doing the things that are right by you. Obviously, you're going to change. Are you still the man that your possible wife fell in love with? Can I think that's yeah. the biggest cop-out in the history of cop-outs. Just don't get married then. Don't be in a relationship then. Just don't waste people's time. Right. Ash, well, I've been engaged before, and I've been ring shopping before, and it hasn't worked out. That's bad experience telling you. And I've told you before, Shep, I'm the type of guy who I've told you this before where I got broken up with by a girl in college who then I had to, right after I helped her move, had to drive the rental truck back to the place to drop the truck off. Class act. Driving through tears and traffic in downtown Akron, Ohio. And I got through it just because other people can't don't mean you can't. All right, we'll get back to the sports when we come back. 855-2124-CBS. Coming up next, just hear me out. The NFL Draft Lottery. Just hear me out. 
It makes sense. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. Speak now forever. Hold your peace at CBS Radio's toll-free line, and it's brought to you by GEICO. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to GEICO. Go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance before, and he's going to win, the P- unless something terrible happens, he's going to win the PGA Championship, and before, I didn't think Brooks Kepka, who I, I've never had anything against. I think he's a great golfer, and I like different names. He's not... Anybody that I think is going to get take golf to the next level, but I think that he's obviously a dominant player and a very good player. And I'm as a golf fan, I happen to be okay with Brooks Kepka. I like Brooks Kepka. It's not like it's Patrick Reed, who really isn't that great of a guy. Brooks Kepka seems to be fine. I just didn't think he had very much personality. Then I heard him on Barstool before this entire PGA Championship started this weekend, and it kind of changed my thoughts here. Here he is. You're out there for five and a half hours i mean how bad is that nobody wants to spend five and a half hours out there so how do you speed up the game literally i would just make it like 15 holes 14 holes i like that a lot because like because then you get to go in the 19th hole a little bit quicker yes Uh and i always get to like 11 and i'm like this is it gets boring from like hole five to 12 you're just like where am i right now Uh you are bored during a tournament yeah five through 12 yeah i literally can't (laughs) tell you what like what happened during those holes? You kind of like black out. And you're like, oh, like, yeah. this is, everything's repetitive. It's it's whatever. true though because when you golf, there is like the first three holes where you're like, okay, I yeah, feel good today, and then like right around 14, you're like, all right, I got a few left. Yeah, exactly. And then mm-hmm. anything in between, it's just whatever. Audio courtesy of Barstool. I wish I could disagree. That's such a great answer. And if you've been on a golf course, if you're a golfer at all, and you're with your buddies and you've had a couple of beers. And I'm not saying meaning you've been drunk. I mean, if you've just had a couple of beers, you start to loosen, but you get a little too loose and things start to go to hell for you around. It's right after the turn. Usually it's before the turn at around six or seven. Then you start to blank out a little bit. You get to the turn. Maybe you refresh yourself. You go to the bathroom. Maybe you're really starting to focus in on 10. And then there's a time 10 through, or I should say 11 through 14, where, again, you just blank out. Probably 15, you just blank out. And then you got a few more holes left, and then you're done for the day. What Brooks Kepka said is the total honest truth. Because I love to golf, and I'm horrible at golfing. And there will be days every single time I go out, which I don't get many chances to do. But when I go out, you get to about mm, five, and the golf course just looks the same as every other golf course. Like, I can't, if I ever got to go to Augusta or ever got to go to like Torrey Pines or something like that, obviously I would take in the majesty of it every single hole and every single moment I would try to do so. But if I'm at my local dog track kind of place, yeah, it's kind of the same. Every hole kind of mixes in. You get that weird sun feeling that goes over. You take off your sunglasses. You get to that level where maybe you had three beers, and then you go into four, and you go, ah, I'm too loose. And then you got to sober up a little bit, and then you're done drinking. Brooks Kepka, who's a professional golfer and a major champion, couldn't be more right about what he says about the game of golf. Eh, you know what? 18 is the standard, and it doesn't really need to go anywhere with the pros. But we see more guys play at nine. Yeah, that's all you really need to play. If you play nine, you can stay kind of sort of focused throughout there. That's really all you need to play. You'll play better. 
And it makes me like Brooks Kepka more. I thought he didn't have more personality. That's a hell of an idea, and it shows he has more personality. 855-212-4CBS. We'll try to fit in a call before we end it, but just hear me out. Everybody hates the lottery right now. Everybody except Pelicans fans hate the lottery. And I, I said this at the beginning of the show, and I'll say it at the end of the show. If you're one of these guys who are telling me that the lottery is rigged, and I, I love conspiracy theories. I love hearing about Bigfoot. I love hearing about Area 51, the whole thing. I love a good conspiracy theory. I thought it. I thought there's always a chance, and there always is a chance, that the thing is rigged. I'll give you this. And I've had a lot of writers Sit down and look me in the eye in an interview. Ken, I've been in that room. It's not rigged. And I look at you and I go, a lot of people sit in that room and they watch David Copperfield do magic tricks. There's always a catch or there's always a possibility of a catch. So you can't say 100%. I don't care what anybody says. You can't tell me 100% that the thing isn't rigged. And I can't tell you that it's not rigged. But the part about it being rigged, one, I think that you're really just having some sour grapes because your team didn't win it. And if your team got the number one pick, you wouldn't be bitching and moaning about the thing being rigged. And two is the thought that it's killing tanking. It's not killing tanking. The Lakers sat LeBron James for the second half of the season because of the injury and then shut him back down for the rest of the season because of the quote-unquote injury and because they wanted to have the load management. And they also knew that they weren't going to win anything with him, and they certainly weren't going to win anything without him. And it made a 5% chance turn into a 6% chance, or I should say a 2% chance. And then when the Pelicans sit Anthony Davis, who's healthy, they get themselves a 6% chance. And wouldn't you know who won the pony to steal a line from the great Jim Cornette? That's going to really hurt tanking? Teams that really don't have a shot to get the eight seed. All of a sudden, they're going to start winning more because of the Pelicans getting Zion Williamson, possibly the next LeBron James. That makes sense where it doesn't. And it's not going to kill tanking. And I think that a lot of people who, again, just say that it's rigged are just saying that it's rigged because they're mad that their their team didn't win it. But it did give me a thought because some people thought, and including the NFL, I think, with their draft said, wouldn't it be cool if we had a draft lottery, and immediately it came with negative perception, and I was one of the people. Just go with me for a second on this. Tanking works in the, well, it, I don't know if it works, but tanking is thought of to be something that can work in the NBA because one guy can change the way things are done with a team just by being drafted. LeBron James changed the Cleveland Cavaliers forever. Because they tanked with John Lucas and got him. One player can change the fortunes of any given team at any given time if that player is that good. A top upper echelon, 1%, big as an icon, that type of player. A guy can do that. Durant can do it. LeBron can do it. A, A very few guys can do it. And to get that guy, people will do whatever it takes, including tank. It can work. It can. Doesn't always, but it can work. In Major League Baseball, you can quote-unquote tank for the number one pick, but really you're playing your young guys. You're getting them some experience. Yeah, we'll call up Dansby Swanson a couple years ago, and we'll get him out there in the field because we're not going to do anything anyway. And if we get some experience for him and he sees Major League pitching and he takes off and becomes a good player, then so be it, and hopefully we can get this thing jump-started a little bit. Makes sense, but not one player, not one hitter, can only come up more than one time per nine players, and only one pitcher isn't going to pitch Unless it's a playoff scenario 
isn't going to pitch more than once every five days. So it doesn't work in the same way. And the NFL is the same is the same scenario. Something has been making me nervous over the last couple of years, though. And what happens to do with a team that's very close to my heart? I shudder to think what Browns fans would feel like right now had they not drafted Baker Mayfield. I shudder to think what Browns fans would feel right now had they had drafted Sam Darnold, who I still think is going to end up being very, very good, Josh Allen, who does have a look at being very, very good, or God forbid, Josh Rosen, who no matter what my defense of him is, and I defend him, still sucked up the room a couple of times in his rookie year. Think about this. You tank it out in 2016 and 2017. You win one game in two years. You have complete boobery at the head coaching position for two years. Your fan base is one of the most rabid in the NFL. You're one of the most storied franchises in NFL history dating back to 1946. And you commit to this level of thinking, this type of analytics, and you take the wrong quarterback, number one overall. What would we be saying about the Cleveland Browns today? It scares me because it looks like the Miami Dolphins, even though they got Josh Rosen, and a hardcore Dolphins fan might disagree with me, and I hope you would. It scares the bejesus out of me that the Miami Dolphins might be doing the same thing because I can't deny any of what's in front of me when it comes to this type of of example and when it comes to this type of evidence of what I get with the number one overall pick. Baker Mayfield, number one overall, seems like that one's worked out. Jared Goff, if it's not for Sean McVay, how would Jared Goff worked out? Jameis Winston has been just above a train wreck at times, at other times brilliant. Andrew Luck, you can throw a franchise on his shoulders. He can do very well. Cam Newton in 2011 has been an MVP, has not won a Super Bowl, has made a business decision in a Super Bowl, but has been a game changer. Sam Bradford is a big nope. Matt Stafford is a big nope. Jamarcus Russell is a big nope. Alex Smith, why I feel bad, is a great big nope. Eli Manning, drafted number one by not by the team that he's with. He has won two Super Bowls. Carson Palmer before him in 2003, nope. David Carr, nope. Michael Vick, honestly, nope. Tim Couch in 1999, absolutely not. There's a lot of guys who go number one. They change things in basketball. In the NFL, and I know that tanking has just got around to the NFL, the proof is right here. It doesn't guarantee you anything, and it doesn't make it that much better for you in the ultimate team game as what it would with those possibilities in the NBA. So I think, what about a lottery? What about a true NBA lottery? You don't want your team to tank. You don't want your team to waste your time and a possibility for your team to try to do something, to try to win where it counts and not be in the NFL playoffs. Maybe you get a little bit close, but you're not able to do it. And you have that quarterback who gets you just to the cusp of it, but you can't replace him, Detroit. Will you get that type of guy that gets you just there to the level, but, man, he – He just can't get you over the hump. Maybe Matt Ryan before the last Super Bowl. You got that type of quarterback who can just do it, but you can't find him. What would you do if you weren't a playoff team and you had throw it all out, throw the 14% out, throw everything else out? 
Give it full-on odds. The NFL Draft Lotto, from the team that won one game to the team that won nine games and didn't get into the postseason, and you're all thrown into the bin, and one of you come out with the number one pick, and everybody else falls in line. How much drama would that be? And my God, could you imagine the scenarios that play out? It's the anti-tank. You have no incentive to lose because your odds are just as good. You don't have to try to sell fans a garbage plan and try to force them to buy season tickets because you want to get on the ground floor now because, boy, when we get so-and-so number one next year, well, our our certain times, they're definitely going to be changing, and you'll be able to be on the ground floor of that. And you at home getting that call from your season ticket holder, a season ticket holder call that I've been privy to in the past, you don't want to have to deal with that garbage. And for the Browns, who looks like it could be solid days here coming up in 2019, we tend to forget, and we can't forget, that, yeah, they got the number one pick. They got Baker Mayfield, and Baker Mayfield looks like he could be a very good quarterback, possibly a great quarterback. Do we ever want to go past the thought that they did suck for 20 years before that? Do we really want to do that? So if we're going to commit to this level of thinking, basically you have to get it absolutely perfect. If they don't hire John Dorsey, if they don't get Baker, if they don't make those right moves, what do we say now? If you throw that in there, the best case scenario, I throw my team's feet to the fire, I make them compete because their odds for number one are just as good or bad as everybody else. I know you hate it. Just think about it, won't you? Big thanks to everybody in New York. I'm Ken Carmen. Have a wonderful week, my friends.